Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And you all make our day when you take the time to leave reviews, like the listener who recently wrote about the podcast, I Breathe a Little Easier Here. Or you who shared that listening to Christy and Lisa Joe is like sitting down for coffee with two dear friends. I like that because here's another twist on it. Listening to Lisa Joe and Christy is like enjoying a great glass of wine in a beautiful setting. But the truth is, Christy and I are fancy like Applebee's because another reviewer agrees. Today, you took a refrigerator mess and turned it on its head in the episode A Rescue from Your Daily Rut. Yep, you guys, your reviews matter. So please take six seconds and go share why the show matters to you because that helps other people find us. And today's conversation takes a weird twist into graveyards and twinkle lights. And we think it's worth sharing with friends. So get comfy. Here we go. Christy, we like to talk about here about how to grow a daily life that matters. And we talk about how the ordinary is beautiful. But I tell you what, nights like last night remind me that not only is the ordinary beautiful, it really is the stuff of movies. Like movies are based on the back of the beauty and majesty of ordinary life. Movies unpack things we take for granted and they light them really well. <laughs> they have pretty people playing <laughs> the parts, but mostly it's pretty ordinary stories. And last night, as we were with our children strolling down Main Street Americana is how it felt to me, a tiny little suburb of our friends, and there was all these beautiful trees in their fall glory, red and orange and gold, and there was a smell of fire pits in the air, and then there were all the little children dressed up in their trick-or-treating outfits, and all the parents walking behind them, and I took a picture because... It is every movie of my childhood that I watched about America. I was, no matter how long I live here, I always feel like I have literally stepped onto a Hallmark movie set in moments like that. And you can look at it and say, this is the most ordinary of traditions. You know, little kids get dressed up as princesses. And there was someone dressed as Dorothy and we we had our dog there. So it was like Dorothy and Toto were there. (laughs) And yet at the same time, It just is so completely ordinary and so completely magical, all intertwined. And I was thinking to myself, well, yep, this is what we talk about. This is what daily life that is so extraordinary looks like. That's right. And you're right that sometimes we need a movie or, you know, somehow like a work of art to sort of frame it for us. So we realize, oh, this is beautiful. This is special. This is meaningful. Otherwise, maybe we're just living it. So that that reminds me that, so you're saying that about movies. And then I had a few, so I shared some photos from our our own family and neighborhood um, Halloween celebration and um, a few uh, people commented who don't live in the U.S., who live in, I think they're in the U.K., and said something like, oh, it, yeah, that's so American. It's Halloween has only recently become a big, a bigger deal here because of movies. They both said that because of movies. Oh, really? And, and I remember thinking, what movies? <laughs> because <laughs> because I'm, I'm sort of unaware of movie representations of Halloween because if I guess if I saw it, I'd it just looks so ordinary to me, you know, mm. so my my thoughts about Halloween are just like living it year after year, growing up and doing it with my kids. And so I, I actually thought, huh, oh, movies, what movies? But but I think it's what you're talking about, <laughs> like whether we're in the culture or out of it, like movies and other forms of art 
like kind of, I don't know, they pull us outside of it just enough, or maybe they light it well, as you say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we can see it for what it is, which is, which is really helpful sometimes to like see what we're actually living, what we're actually cultivating. Right. And it's not like there's a movie about trick-or-treating, I guess, unless right. it's a horror movie, which I would not have right. watched. Yeah, no. <laughs> but often, to me, it's like the background that's layered into a yeah. plot, right? So there's a moment where a family trick-or-treats, or there's fall yeah. foliage scenes that you whip by, or there's kids, you know, with bags of candy from trick There's It's that feeling of just, and I guess that's interesting, even the movies treat it like ordinary background detail yeah. in a larger story. But as someone who hasn't experienced it watching it, you notice it. And it's funny because when I went home to South Africa, one of the things I brought food-wise from the States were bags of candy corn and those candy pumpkins that you get around Halloween. (laughs) And nobody had tasted those. And it's interestingly enough, a lot of different American candy that I brought, because I did bring those big bags of Halloween candy, you can actually get in South Africa, like Nerds and Snickers and Kit Kats. All of that is there. Reese's, I had no idea. But they had never seen the candy corn or the candy pumpkins. And they were so into it. And then my younger sisters texted me a picture yesterday where their hockey team, their field hockey team held like a sort of a an end of season party or something. And because it happened to be around Halloween, the theme was to dress up like as if it was Halloween. And so they were so excited and they went as, wait for it, like how Americana is this? The two of them went as the pink ladies from Greece. Oh, they were so <laughs> adorable. I don't know if they've ever seen Greece. Like I'm not sure like what their frame of reference is for pink ladies. Aww. My dad actually asked them, which one are you? And so he told me they were like Googling to find out what were the names <laughs> of the characters in the movie. <laughs> but it is that feeling of... When you dress up like that or I'm walking with my kids, it's somehow a feeling of being part of something you've only watched from the outside before, Mm -hmm. which is the most interesting thing, especially when you're talking about neighborhoods now, which is what really trick-or-treating is about. Right. It definitely is about neighborhoods. You know, I actually didn't grow up trick-or-treating in a traditional sense only because um, we didn't. Uh, we didn't live in a neighborhood where that where there were a lot of kids and fan- I, I don't know, it just wasn't a trick-or-treating neighborhood. We lived on a busy street. So we would maybe go to a church festival or I can remember, you know, our community event or sometimes we might visit a friend's house in our costumes, but, you know, we didn't like go door to door the way my own kids do. But, you know, I've always raised my kids in very neighborhood settings, Chicago, Florida, now here. And so I've been trick-or-treating for many years now. <laughs> you know, my oldest You're is 18. Pro. So, yeah, I think we started when she was two. So, wow. um, you know, wow. I mean, we have two years. I mean, that's been my whole yeah. experience of it. When Jackson was yeah. tiny, I was like, oh, oh, it's happening. We're going trick-or-treating. Or, I mean, it's happening. Peter and I were reminiscing last night. And that's the, the other thing is we always do it together, Pete and I. And often we divvy up parental stuff. You know, who you're at the sports practice. I'm at that sports game. But Halloween, we always do together. And I, he and I were talking about why is that? And I think it's because we love to stroll in this beautiful evening, a fall evening, and just watch. And when is it? It's so rare these days to watch entire neighborhoods come outside. Exactly. So yeah. 
special. And to watch their yeah. reaction to your kids. I mean, there was a year where we lived in a neighborhood in Northern Virginia where it was insane. I mean, entire posses of children would run around. There were so many houses opened up. And uh, toward the end of the night when our kids were flagging, but they still wanted to hit as many houses as possible. I actually remember Peter cruising the neighborhood in a minivan with both doors open. Oh. <laughs> and then our boys would just jump out and like run up to the house, get candy and jump back in. Like we were, Aww. he was like the getaway driver or something. It was so crazy. <laughs> So we've been doing it forever, but this year was sad. It's the first year my older teenage sons declined to trick-or-treat with us. So we're still soaking it in while we can with Zoe. But we have to actually go over always to a friend's neighborhood because where we live, there are not a lot of houses and everybody here is elderly. And so they don't have kids and they really don't do Halloween at all. So we always go and piggyback on another family in their neighborhood But yes, especially after 2020, seeing all of these people out and a lot of neighborhoods like the one we were in, it's not even like you walk up to the door. They've come all the way out to the road. They've set Mm -hmm. up a bonfire or a table. They're sitting out in lawn chairs. They're greeting everybody. Everything about it is both pure Americana and universal. There's the sense of how special it is to connect with your neighbors. Yeah, yeah, it is very hospitable. And yeah, in most American neighborhoods, I can't think of anything else that is in, is rivals it at all. I know my sister-in-law down in Texas, um, they they come out, they have a fire and she always, she has candy to give the kids, but she always, their tradition is to have some sort of treat for the grownups. Oh, so that's I, I don't remember, you know, hot cider or popcorn. Th- I, I actually don't remember the specifics, but it's specifically something to fuel the parents. Yes, who are wa- which is essential. Around. We actually yeah, walked by yeah. a house yesterday that the parents wanted to go by first who, who were leading us through their neighborhood. And they said, oh, this is very important. This is the soda and chips house. And so they always have soda and chips for the parents. And then there was another house where a dad said, parents, we've got something for you too. He said, I work for a coffee company. And so he had this whole cooler with those like iced vanilla latte frappuccino drinks and it's like you know eight o'clock at night but all these parents know they're going to be up with their their sugar frenzied children (laughs) everybody's taking coffee drinks from the sky that is so great yeah so we don't i don't give you know treats out to the parents necessarily although last night i had I had a lot of candy and extra. So by the end, I was telling like there would be some dads hanging back. I'm like, do you want a Snickers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but since we moved, so, you know, we've been here almost a decade. And when we moved here, it, we moved here right at the end of summer. And so now you're turning into fall and October. And I just had a baby. Oh, my goodness. So much had happened. And so understandably, we had not met any of our neighbors. We didn't know anyone. Um, And here we are, this old house in the middle of a neighborhood that we knew was filled with kids. But our front door isn't near the street. It isn't near these other houses because, you know, if you don't know, we're we're in this farmhouse where the farm around it has been developed as a neighborhood. But we're kind of up on this hill almost, and the houses are sort of down and all around. Um, So it's, you know, quite easy to walk down there. But but we're not accessible in the usual way. So when we moved here, we thought, wow, it's Halloween. We've always trick-or-treated with our kids. And it's always been a great neighborhood experience where you're seeing friends on the street. Oh, can I just a little pause, side yes. note, tell you a little. So when we um, used to go trick-or-treating in Chicago in our neighborhood, we lived around the corner from 
President Barack Obama and his family. No way. <laughs> who were not yet President Barack oh Obama. Oh, my goodness. But I quite a few times saw, we. there's one little area that was really special in the neighborhood. They decorated. It was where everyone went to trick-or-treat. Um, so quite a few times I brushed shoulders on the sidewalk with President Barack Obama as he no, escorted his daughters Sasha around. and Malia yeah. trick-or-treating in Chicago. <laughs> How yep, have I never heard that story? That's crazy. <laughs> So that was our experience, right? That this is how you meet neighbors. This is how you, you know, see your friends, your kids, you know, go from house to house. So when we got here, we thought we we not only want to take our kids trick-or-treating, which would have been easy. We just walked out there dressed up. We walked down the hill. We go house to house. But we wanted to offer that. It's mm. like, again, hospitality. We wanted to reciprocate. Right. Um, but how do we... How do we get kids up to our house? And how do we show that we're... Wait, this is the Easter egg hunt October version. Like, I... Wow. (laughs) It's how... I guess I had not, like, twigged, as we would say in South Africa. My brain had not caught up to the fact that that you guys did this in this intentional way. Because Easter egg 2000 eggs I am familiar with, but I'm not familiar with the trick-or-treating strategy of luring your neighbors exactly. in. <laughs> we, yeah, we thought it through. And actually, this, you know, predates the Easter egg, the initial Easter egg hunt because, really? you know, we, we we were there for fall before spring. So, yeah, before the Easter egg hunt, we're, we're still trying to meet our neighbors. You know, we're still trying to, like, connect. That's really what it was. We wanted to connect with our neighbors. And, and not only by taking our kids around house to house, but by saying, look, this is our home. We now live here. We have young kids. We want to know you and you are welcome here. Like that, mm. we, that was the question. Like, how do we let people know you are welcome here? And not only are you welcome, but how do we make it worth their while? Because mm. if you're a little kid and you're, you've got to trek up this hill. Yeah, especially when you want to hit as many houses as possible. You're right. like losing like 10 minutes. Not, yeah. yeah, it is not worth it, really. Um, not for like a little mini candy bar. So what could make it worth it? And so <laughs> that first year in a small way, but then over the years, it's just grown and grown. And I told Jonathan this year as we did what we always do, I said, we have really refined this. Like we have figured out like how <laughs> to do to this. An art form. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because we tweak it each year. And I felt like this year we had all the elements in place that are effective. So this is what we what we do. So um there is no hope of attracting children to our front door because our front door doesn't actually face the neighborhood. So um, from that first year, we went out into the backyard where there's an opening in the fence that passes the ruins of the old stone barn that that once belonged to the house. And if you pass the ruins, you kind of trot, trot down to the sidewalk. And now you're just in the middle of the neighborhood where all the kids are going back and forth. So what we did that first year and what we do is that we decorate that whole back portion by the ruins and we light a path to show people, hey, come up here. And that first year, and I still put this sign out yesterday, that first year, Jonathan and my oldest, who was nine years old then, oh, no way. made a little wooden sign that had an arrow pointing up that said something like, you know, candy, come get candy if you dare or something. Because we, <laughs> we literally felt like we had to put a sign out to yeah. say, neighbors, welcome. But how do you say neighbors, welcome at Halloween? You say, Come get candy if you dare. <laughs> right, right. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, my personal, I mean, you know, our regular listeners know this about me. You know, I, my love language is beauty. I love beautiful things. But I think, I think um, 
I'm going to put it in, like, uh, I'm going to be all intellectual about it and put it in Christian theological terms, right? Like, in Christ, death has been transformed. Yes. And That's I am believe. so glad you're going there because I'll just interrupt <laughs> you to say, last night, as Peter and I were trekking by some very scary houses, I said to him, oh, I wish Christy was here right now because she does such a great spiel on how Halloween is actually really important as believers because oh. it reminds us how death is the doorway to life. So go, Christy, go. Take yeah. it away. Yeah, right? So it's not like... I mean, like, death is bad. Death is terrible. Right. Death breaks our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, death was, in a sense, never meant to be. Right. But in Christ, who conquered death, it has been transformed so that now, yes, our bodies, we will still die. But of course, yeah, now it's the doorway to life. Um, it, it doesn't have that hold on us. It's not final. It's not the end right. of the story. Um, it can also, because Christ works all things to good, how many stories can we tell of death where Christ's mercy was so evident, where we saw what Scripture talks about, where the death of His saints is precious to Him? I mean, the stories as Christians, we can tell one another of beautiful deaths, of redemption in the midst of dying. I mean, right? So, it is, it's both. Like, we're still living in that reality of like, of death being this sort of horrible wrong, wrongness and also beginning to see the victory that Christ has over it. And again, we're still in the middle of that. Like we're literally, you know, in the middle of it. But bringing it back to Halloween, I've, I felt like as a Christian, I don't, I'm not just putting out pumpkins in my decor because this is a day where, I, you know, in our American culture, we don't have another day collectively where we get close to death. We just don't. We avoid it. Understandably, it's painful. We separate ourselves from it. It's the dying happens out of our homes, off in hospitals. Like we don't, especially kids, you know, um, we're just not close to it. And so our Halloween decor, what we decided to do back there by the ruins of the barn that, you know, look all spooky at night is we made all these wooden like gravestones and they have crosses and they say rest in peace. And we put twinkle lights around and it's a graveyard basically. And so it's very appropriate for Halloween. But in my mind, it's also when we light it with candles and twinkle lights, I'm going to say it, it's also really beautiful. (laughs) And then my kids carve pumpkins. And so we have these lit up pumpkin faces and it's very Halloween. It's very atmospheric. It's spooky. My husband pulls out, he, you know, he, he's a fun guy. He's got all the fun stuff. He, one year he added in a fog machine. (laughs) So now we can have like this spooky fog. (laughs) So all of that is happening back there. And oh, Lisa Jo, it was so, so fun this year because last year with the pandemic, we didn't do it. It was our first year. We had nothing. We just, as a family, spent time together. But to be back out there this year and all the parents coming up and all the kids connecting with them again, there were kids who came up and I didn't recognize. And then I saw the mom and then I realized, oh my gosh, that's your kid. They've grown so much. You know, those conversations. And um, and every parent who came up said, oh, this is so great. You guys do such a good job. Thank you. This is our favorite. And all of those comments just go straight to my heart. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> you know, that we get to do this. And um, yeah, it's like my little Halloween placemaking, I guess. <laughs> that is, 
Halloween placemaking. Well, there's yeah. somebody listening who's very uncomfortable right now. And I just want to say thank you for hanging <laughs> with us because I know there are families where this is an uncomfortable thing, the tension between faith and Halloween. I definitely have felt that tension myself in years past. I'll just say I've never let my kids wear like horror type costumes with gore or anything super creepy. I have some strong feelings about that. So if you're listening and sort of in the tension, I really appreciate that. And I'm going to ask Christy actually to poke you a little more, Christy, because I feel like the first time I really read or learned about All Hallows Eve was from something you had written. And where Christy lives in Pennsylvania is sort of a mysterious um, place that has, it feels like it has a very thin film between the world here and the world to come. There's fog that rises up and old gnarled trees. And there are these weird places of ruins, you know, of old farmhouses or battle scenes. And I just remember you writing, do you remember the piece I'm talking about? When yeah, you ra- I do. You wrote about All Hallows Eve. And even last night, I was trying to explain it again to Peter, and I felt like I wasn't communicating it correctly. And it was the first time I felt like for me... There was a sense of, oh, Halloween doesn't have to be a place I'm afraid. I I don't have to, as a believer, constantly feel threatened by this day on the calendar. Instead, there felt like as if, no, no, the true believers, the ones who understand evil Israel and that righteousness and light has overcome it, that we are the ones who stand on this day unafraid. And I wondered if you could give mm-hmm. us like your little professor nutshell version yeah. of that teaching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't be too detailed because the professor doesn't have her books handy, you know, So, <laughs> but I will give my general. Yeah, it's true. I love living in this place where where time is layered in ways that, you know, it just wasn't for me growing up in a part of the country, you know, where history is more recent or at least um, material history, not history. There were always people uh, in Texas, but, you know, the the houses around and the the evidence of the past. Um, but here I live in a place where, yeah, I think I remember writing that piece, like, I mean, there are times where history is so real and present, you think maybe you can see those um, redcoat soldiers, you know, because I know this was the trail where they walked near our property to march to the Battle of the Brandywine, where they met George Washington. I mean, like all of that history is is and I love history so it's it's just right there plus we're we're driving past every day you know these old Quaker farmhouses and these stone ruins and you know like the past is still present I guess in in many ways and not just materially you know the past still shapes our places and cultures and and so on um but I think the important thing to to note about Halloween Halloween that name comes from, you know, All Hallows' Eve. So, Halloween is literally the night before, the day before. It is not in itself a thing. Now, of course, for most Americans today, it is. Like, they, it's the thing. Um, but that's not where it comes from. And that's, that, that actually isn't the true story. It, it is the Eve. Well, what is it the Eve of? It was the Eve of All Saints' Day or, um, uh, you know, the, the day where, um, Traditionally, Christians have had a feast of all saints, a feast day. It is the eve of a feast day, eve of the feast day, when you remember and reflect on the saints who have gone before. So, the, the, the day when we remember those who have died in Christ, and we kind of remember that larger family, 
we remember that great cloud of witnesses and we acknowledge that we aren't alone in running this race of faith, but that we have an example of those who've, who've persevered before us. Um, and also, like in more recent history, All Saints is for some church communities is combined with all souls. So now it's even a, a bigger sense of all those who have died, you know, so a time where we can set aside to remember the people we've lost, not to avoid, not to distract ourselves from that pain, um, but to like enter into it, but in the light of Christ, which, um, you know, is a whole whole different thing. So if Halloween is the eve of this, <laughs> then then what is Halloween? Halloween is when you tiptoe in with your little princess dressed children, you tiptoe into that that space that is so scary that we will die, that there's evil in the world, that there are scary monsters. But you know what we do as Christians? We dress up like that scary monster in order to mock it because it has been defeated. It has no power over us. Um, and if we if we we think we're scared, then why not put on that dragon suit and say, roar and remember like, oh my word, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm in the kingdom of Christ. Those dragons out there have been defeated. Um, and and there is no reason for me to fear. They do not have control of this world anymore. They have been defeated. The army is advancing, right? That's what we believe. This is just like the cleanup effort, <laughs> you know? The Messiah is reigning in the midst of his enemies. So yeah, they're still out there. Um, but we are mocking them on Halloween. Um, and that's even beyond, I think, what I wrote in that piece that you're you're recalling, because there is just so, I think, so much theological significance in in the day. So even without getting into the long history of it, which certainly has changed over time and it manifests in different ways in different places. But for me today, when I think about what it means and why do we do this, um, it's because we don't ha- because we don't have to be afraid of death, because we don't have to fear even great evil, we can walk up to it and we can laugh at it. <laughs> You know, we can have a party there in the midst of it. Um, and then the next day, remember um, those who have died in Christ and that that is, you know, the future that we're walking toward as well in faithfulness. So um, seeing that bigger picture, I think, has allowed me to enter into it with my neighbors who may or may not be Christians um, and our approach to it might be different. Mm. And I don't, yeah, I don't know what they think exactly about our little twinkly light graveyard back there, but I I appreciate that when they make it up the hill to my candy table, (laughs) they're very happy and they're, they're saying thank you. And, and it is a way of, yeah, it's a way of connecting with the neighbors. I'll tell one other little thing. There was time a couple years ago, I think someone came up to my little, so I sit at a table there because again, I'm not at the front door, I'm handing out candy. And some family came up and they said, oh, thank you so much. And the mom said, I was, I was reminding my, my daughter, oh, we have to go up to the, that house. We have to go up to the little farmhouse. And she was like, why? And she said, because that's that family that really loves holidays. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she told me that. And I, I, was, I just nodded. I was like, yeah, yeah. And, but my first response was, we love holidays. I don't <laughs> feel like we love holidays. <laughs> you love people. <laughs> And then I thought of it, I realized like, oh, from her perspective, we just get really excited about Halloween and Easter and and we share it with the neighborhood. But from my perspective, we just really want to love our neighbors. Like we want to care about our neighbors. And this is just a way to like connect with our neighbors. And yeah, I guess I love the holiday too, but 
let me just be honest, I've never decorated for Halloween before we moved to Maplehurst. <laughs> so really, it's about the neighbors. <laughs> oh, Christy, I have such a lump in my throat. I think I'm going to go back and re-listen to that teaching on Halloween and all, all Hallows Eve and All Saints Day and... I think it personally hits me in a different way this year. One of the reasons, mm, the main yeah. reason I went home to South Africa is in a strange story plot twist, both of my brothers are currently battling cancer. And so anytime there's a reminder that death is not the final say, that we don't have to be afraid of the thing that haunts us, that haunts our dreams and our fears and our families, to be reminded that Christ, in fact, has overcome in the most radical way. It's such a powerful, visceral, embodied experience. It's interesting, yesterday at our church, um, Christy and I are recording on a Monday. You'll hear this on Wednesday. Um, so, Sunday was Halloween, and so Sunday evening we trick-or-treated, but Sunday morning at our church there was a baptism service. Mm. And the interesting thing, well, two interesting things. First of all, my daughter, who's all sass, said to me, well, I don't know, like if you get baptized on Halloween, do the two things cancel each other out? (laughs) I I think that's a good question, Zoe. I approve of that question. Good for her. (laughs) We were, you know, talking to our kids afterwards about what does baptism mean? And it actually is um, an imaging of Christ's death. We lay down in the water to symbolize Him going down into the grave and being dead and only His body remaining. And then you are raised up out of that water, imaging, being part of, participating in His resurrection and His life. And part of what we were talking to our children about afterwards is as to why things like baptism matter is because we are an embodied faith. Our faith isn't just intellectual or cerebral. We don't just read about it. We act it out with our bodies. Jesus came in a human body. He he walked on earth. He, you know, probably, I love to think about this, like he probably got diarrhea from bad figs, you know, sometimes, or ate bad (laughs) fish, or I'm sure he got a cold and had a runny nose. Like his feet hurt. We know that from walking and wanting someone to wash them you know, from his dirt coming into his sandals. He was embodied. And so I love that our faith has given us these very physical expressions of what we believe. And baptism is a very literal one. I said to my children, it's one thing to watch someone get baptized and it's emotional and beautiful. And then you can move on with your day and think, does it matter? Do I need to get baptized? It is another thing when you climb into water in front of a group of people with your whole body. Like you, yeah. you have an experience there where it's not just happening in your brain. Like your body is mm-hmm. wet and you're dunked underwater and sometimes water goes up your nose. And, you know, the pastor is saying these words about what it means. Everything about that experience is a very visceral embodiment of our faith. And so I thought it was so interesting that we had that baptism service on Halloween morning. And then in the evening, there was trick-or-treating and kids dressed up and scary monsters and, you know, neighbors coming out. And somehow that day managed to capture how the gospel is about life, but it's also a gospel that recognizes death and isn't afraid of it. That's the difference. It's not afraid of death. And so I needed, I guess, your reminder to pull all those threads together in my head today and to say, what a gift that we as believers can walk our neighborhoods 
and love our neighbors and remind our children death isn't something you have to be afraid of. You know, that ultimately God is the resurrection and the life. That's what he tells us. But he did die. He invites us to die with him with the promise that he gives us life. And um, and I guess yesterday on a side of Snickers, you know, <laughs> and Twizzlers and, and Gobstoppers and Lollipops and all of those things too. But I do think in my own spiritual journey for the first time, there's just a lot of threads that that the day was able to capture in a way that I haven't really paid attention to before. And I'm grateful that like with Christmas, you know, as believers, we can choose either to just live it as a commercial holiday that is promoted by all the stores who want to sell you presents and candy, or we can dig deeper and and really pay attention to the real meaning that is always right in front of us in our ordinary days. There's always a deeper story lurking under the surface. And it's that in that is how you grow a daily life that matters. You pay mm-hmm, attention mm-hmm. to the deeper narrative that is playing out all around us and that God is inviting us into. So I feel like this conversation took a turn I wasn't expecting at all. And I am right. so grateful for it. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. I'm just going to share with our listeners. We had a slightly different plan related but different for today's conversation. Maybe we'll save that for next week because that's so. a good one too. I think we'll get there. It's about neighbors. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we we paused here first. Yeah, um, because, I feel like this is the upbeat yeah. version of neighboring and we have a more, <laughs> you know, neighboring is complicated and sometimes neighbor, yeah, neighbors is. are hard to love. And I guess we'll yeah. save that conversation for next week. Spoiler, come back as we talk about some of our more difficult neighboring moments. Yeah. But for now, I think this is the place to start. God who came to be our neighbor and who challenges us in the story of the Good Samaritan to go and be a neighbor, not to ask who is my neighbor, but he says, go and do likewise, go and be a neighbor. And yeah, neighbor is a verb. Yes, Mm -hmm. neighbor is a verb. So however that's looked for you, whether you trick-or-treated or not, whether you're at your church doing trunk or treat or fall fest or You know, you were home cozy with your people and didn't go out last night. Whatever neighboring looked like for you, just know we're grateful to neighbor alongside you. And um, thank you, Christy, for taking us to those thin places of intersection between life and death today. Absolutely. You know, I love to travel there, Lisa Jo. (laughs) Actually, I I think it's kind of where I live. (laughs) I have pitched my tent in the thin places and happy to share my stories. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) 